Hi folks, welcome to a very special edition of WPOV Quarantine. It's the unplugged version, where it's all us hosts unplugged, sitting back, taking it easy, and talking some cool wrestling. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. With me, the gentleman, Elio Canella. And of course, the sound, the smooth jazz notes of the lone wolf, Andy Anderson. I can't take this seriously. And WPOV fans. <laughs> and the subtle yet spastic movements of Rick Serrano. Oh yeah! So, Does somebody turn up the heat? Oh, I feel like the I feel like the, the smooth jazz troll from the old <laughs> yes. world tour. If I had hair, folks, had I would be flicking it back. He had heat. Yeah, yes, he had no, heat. And let's, nobody liked him. Or the odelers. So let's talk. Yeah. What is heat? You know what? There's a term I'm sure a few people who watch wrestling enough hear announcers say, oh, he's getting heat. What is heat? Well, first of all, that's a question we're going to tackle today. We're going to talk about what heat exactly is. How do you get heat? How do you keep the heat? And is it important in a match to have heat? So let's talk to, first of all, to our illustrious crowd here. I'm going to pick up Rick Serrano third. Rick, when you hear the term talking about wrestling and people say, oh, yeah, it's time to put on the heat. It's time to get some heat. What are they talking about, buddy? It's time to get some hate. It's time to get the crowd to boo you and go against you. Um, you basically just want to have everybody despise you, and you have to do it in a very classy way um, or unclassy way. You know, you do something unclassy in the ring. You do an eye poke. You do a low blow. You scratch the back. All of those dirty tactics you can use. Um are different uh, technician, technical moves you can use in the ring to get some kind of heat. Heat is basically just upsetting people and pissing people off. Okay. Well, you know what? Someone who knows heat, believe me, he has heat probably with every single one of us here. The Lone Wolf Andy Anderson. <laughs> True. This guy is what, what, what the announcers call a heat magnet. Aw, you're too kind. <laughs> why is heat so important, Andy? Why, why is it important in this wrestling genre? Well, for me, like at least in the traditional sense, you know, the the heat, getting heat, uh, it, it's it's the the part of the match where you know the the heel, the bad guy, is on top. You know, usually he should be taking advantage uh, of the baby face through some nefarious, underhanded means. Uh, you know, where he he can't get one up on the baby face, so he has to rely to something, some sort of cheating uh, that you know, obviously in black and white world we should be frowning upon and then doing you know using dirty tactics underhanded tactics uh the shortcuts if you will to to try and, and keep the baby face down and, and win the match so i mean that's kind of like in the general that's how i'd look at it in the general match sense uh heat for a heel is kind of like what rick was saying you want to get that negative reaction you want those boos you want to be hated um Nowadays, it's there's so many shades of gray. It's it's tough to do that. That's why, you know, fifty, you know, at least, yeah. At least. <laughs> what do you? Uh, which wrestling, we're not talking to partner wrestling or customs here. <laughs> hey, Lake's not here tonight, so <laughs> it's a custom free show. Yes, but uh, you know, at least, and you've seen, you know, firsthand with, with me, at least in the in the PWA world, uh, you know, just the simple mention of my name can get booze like they can say andy andy anderson has said this or this is ordered when i was commissioned andy anderson or is, is ordered by andy anderson and, and i'd get i'd be getting booze and, and the andy sucks chance 
and and that's that's the heat and and the good thing about the heat is is the better heat the more sustained heat you can get it makes your job easier and then it should also make the baby face's job easier because if they hate you that much then they're going to want to see you lose they're going to want to see you get beat and that's where that makes the baby face should make the baby face's job easier exactly well in all fairness uh most people boo andy before wrestling even started so that's true it is true i mean i was against putting him on the podcast i mean uh, it was because of how much hate he has like hey, it's not popular if he oh, didn't have pictures of me and miguel i wouldn't have <laughs> anyways uh, I, you know what i i you know I, just, I thought people were saying boo urns boo urns, <laughs> boo urns. <laughs> if it does go with the simpsons reference that has been my life story <laughs> Oh, I, I, I think Elio was yelling boo words, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. now guys, that's basically in the history of wrestling. It's good guy versus bad guy is the yeah. basic formula. And what we're trying to, to, to uh, examine here is what makes it, what is the spice that makes the good guy and the bad guy dynamic work is this mysterious thing called heat. Yeah. At least that's what we term it as. And that's that whole thing. What Andy says is trying to get people to boo as hard and get so – why, though? Hey, why do we want everyone to boo so hard? Anyone, why do we want people to boo? If, if I'm a bad guy, why do I want people to boo me ferociously? Well, it, it makes the people a part of the show. You know, like mm-hmm. that's one thing, that, especially stateside in, in Canada and in, in Puerto Rico – like in Japan, it's just so quiet. But I feel like it's on this side, of, yeah, yeah on, on this side of the hemisphere, we're we're all about wanting to be a part of the show. So mm-hmm. when you give us an opportunity to boo you and scream against you and say things against you in Puerto Rico, they throw batteries at you. I mean, that's that's just car batteries. You, yeah, like you just really want to be a part of the show, and that's why booing and and getting heat, getting good heat, not fucking yes. cheap heat. Cheap heat will never get you the booze or anything that you deserve. Uh, And by cheap heat, I mean when you just say and do things, and I'm talking about like in-ring promos and stuff where you're just trying to be racist or you're trying to be homophobic or you're attacking his family and swearing is the biggest one. I do it a lot, but never in my promos because my my whole thing is psychological. And for those of you that don't know, I'm a manager – from time to time, and whenever I'm involved in a storyline, my job is to get heat, right? I'm supposed to be hated, and I'm going to come at the person psychologically, but I'm never going to talk about their family or curse or do any of those things because none of the greats ever did that. Unless Jake the, the family's Sna- a wrestler. Yes, and, and Jake the Snake, one of the greatest of all time of getting heat, he whispered. He never yelled, and that's how he got you. It's because he 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 pulled you in mm-hmm. all the way in like that, you know. And and Andy and I'm sure Andy can tell you more of like like why getting heat is great for the wrestlers in the match, you know. Like me being the fan, it's just like I just want to scream and be like, "You suck! Oh, you're horrible! Oh, mommy, did you just see what he did to that guy?" Like that's how we want to be. We're all excited about it. So Andy, okay. like while you're in the ring. What is that for you? Well, for me, what, like as I touched on earlier, you know, kind of at its base, the, the more I get booed or the more a heel get booed, that should make his job easier and that should make the babyface 
his job easier too. I always liken it. I always say it's like like the dragon and a dragon slayer. The the bigger the dragon, then the more noble, the 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 better, the higher that the dragon slayer needs to be. If if you're a, a crappy dragon and and nobody really cares about you, no one's gonna care if the dragon slayer comes and beats you. But if you're a you know. And of course, we're speaking metaphorically here. But if you're a big, giant, nasty, stinky, horrible, fire-breathing dragon that's, you know, you've got the princess in one hand and you've got the, the dragon slayer in the other hand and it looks like you're getting ready to, you know, kill them both, eat them both. The people don't want to see that. The people want, you know, should want to see the, the, the baby face, the dragon slayer, you know, slay the dragon and save the princess or you know it's 2020 so if the dragon slayer is is a woman and, and she's saving the prince whatever but the idea is the bigger the badder you are as a heel then you know the more the more the people should want to get behind the baby face and want to see you lose and so you know when you talk about uh the the cheap heat that's that's something that's that that's quick that's Cheap heat, it's like you said, it's 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 being racist. It's it's an easy way out. Yeah. Yeah, just a quick reaction. Mm-hmm. But when you can build, when you can develop a character that's and actually, you know what, JBL, uh, I remember years ago kind of talked about this, and this is something that I realized that I kind of did maybe subconsciously, but hearing him do it, it just made me more conscious of it. When JBL was going from APA to you know, JBL with the, the millionaire gimmick. Yeah. He would go around and it was like all the things that he saw that he didn't like in people, all like the kind of like the, the jerk qualities. Those are the things that he looked at to like pick up and make as part of his character. And for me, that's how it is too. Cause people always like, Oh, Andy's such a nice guy. It's, it's so weird to see you as a, a heel. And that's why I try to be very separate you know, when I'm, we've talked this before, yeah. before at the shows, that's why, you know, I, I don't talk, I try not to talk to anybody just because I want that Andy Anderson character reasonably protected. Everybody knows it's a work. And if you know me, you know, I'm not the same character as the Andy Anderson guy. Yeah. I more or less, <laughs> but I, I want that character to be hated by everybody. I don't want anybody to like, you. if you, if you start cheering for me, if I'm going to acknowledge you, you know, it's along those lines of, look, I don't need your help. I don't need your support. Stop riding my coattails. Cheering for me. Isn't going to make you any cooler. You're still a loser. You know, that kind of thing. So, yep. but, but again, even down to JBL and the towel, the towel, I think he said it was, uh, he saw somebody at the gym that just walked around and he like, wasn't doing much or something like working out, but he had the towel and he thought just like, it's just like one of those things was just like an irritating thing. And that was, that was the reason why, he he used the uh, the towel, mm-hmm. but then and then when you look at like one of his greatest feuds, like with Eddie Guerrero, that's you know, JBL was a giant dragon, and Eddie was like the ultimate dragon slayer, on so yeah. many levels, right? So, uh, that's that's to me that's you know the importance. And actually, one other thing that I'll point on, that I think that really gets lost because nowadays so many people whether you're a baby face or a heel, you want to do so much. You got to get your stuff in or this or that, you know, back in the, if you watch the matches with the heels and stuff from, you know, like mid nineties back like into the eighties, the heels didn't do a lot mm-hmm. and they weren't yep. supposed to do a lot. Mm-hmm. You punched, you kicked, you scratched eye, you cheated, you bent the rules. Uh, you know, you're, you're not matching the baby face move for move because if you do that, 
then all of a sudden it's almost like you're becoming more of a baby face than the baby face because you're the better mm-hmm. wrestler. You're outshining yeah. him. You shouldn't yeah. be outshining him as a heel. You know, you want to do well, but if, if, if you're going to do something, then the baby face better get that one up on you. And then you're always like, okay, well, I'm going to try and do something. Well, if the baby face does something like this, then you need to pull the hair. You need to pull the tights. Right. You need to rake the eye. You need to, you know, distract the ref, throw them through the ropes and, and get your advantage that way because you have to, you know, do something underhanded and cheat. Put the elbow get, on for the pin, all that stuff, you know, all that stuff. And, and yeah. then you watch it. So you watch the heels, you know, the great heels from back in the day. And, and yes, the business was different. Society was different, but the heels didn't do much. No. Yeah. You know, and that's, um, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. here, yeah. no, no. But you know, that, that's for my matches. And again, not that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Andy, whatever, but I mean, I, on a regular basis, I get people, it's like, like, man, and, and TJ, you, you see my matches. It's like, man, like you didn't do anything. It's like, exactly. Right. The little bits that I do are all under, are all underhanded stuff. And then going to what Rick said, then I'd be interacting with the crowd because if I do something underhanded to the baby face, that's where I let him sell and get his sympathy. Mm-hmm. So he's selling, getting his sympathy. I'm, you know, jaw jacking with the crowd. That's pulling you in. That's getting more. You know, so if one person sees it, then the next person's going to want to get involved. The next person's going to get involved. And that's exactly. that's what goes around. There was um, not too long ago. What was it? Where did I see Ric Flair? I don't know if it was uh, if it was on a Stone Cold with the Broken Skull sessions or something. But Ric Flair was talking about, and it's funny because, and I've never heard him say this before. But it's true. Ric Flair said, he says, look, man, he says, I never really did much. He says, people call me the greatest. He says, but I didn't do much. I had a couple of set little moves here and there. He says, but I didn't have, and that was one of the reasons why he said he couldn't really be a baby face either. Cause he says, other than the chop, what did I have? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he go, he go to the, you know, he get whipped into the corner, do the flip over and then, you know, do the little thing, go to the other corner. The flop. You know, but, Don't forget yeah, the punch flop. Yeah. The, the, the flare <laughs> flop. But they said that's why he wasn't really a good baby face because he couldn't do anything. And then as a as a heel, mm-hmm. you know, mo- it was his promos and a lot of that stuff that was getting getting more heat than than in the matches. Well, you know why? Oh, sorry. Go and ahead, I was whatever. gonna say, um, I wasn't even the biggest fan of Ric Flair's heat that he would get in his promos because for me, they were kind of cheap. You know, they were there were some moments where like he went after the. He was sexualized things, and that was just not for me. Um, no, that was the know. time, though. That was definitely yeah, I know. the time. Yeah. No, definitely. But but I think I think it was more so the time during the Attitude Era where the sexualized stuff like really picked up. But yeah. I'm talking about even the earlier stuff where he's in the Four Horsemen and stuff like that. It was just the Rolex wear and stuff like that. I get it. It was funny, but it wasn't my niche, you know? Um, yeah. but you never me, bought a ticket for Space Mountain? Oh, I've been on that line plenty of times. Um, Ew. Oh, this ride. Not that there's anything wrong with buying tickets for Space Mountain. (laughs) No, but for me, um, especially as a manager, when it comes to talking, you got to say what you mean, mean what you say. Like, you can't just go out there. And I remember one guy I was in the ring with, and we were both heel managers, and we were just – like shitting on the baby face and he just comes out. The other manager is just like, Oh, I love Trump and I am billionaire Ted and I'm blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, bro, no. And I, and I'm in the ring now and I'm now, I don't want my character to be aligned with something like that, but I'm also <laughs> the heel. 
Yeah. And I got to fucking be like, oh, yeah. But no, I stood my ground. And I'm like, I'm not about that because I'm, I'm in a different tax bracket. And I just had to just do that, you know. But now you put me in this awkward position where now I have to go against the heel. Mm-hmm. And now I'm riding this fine line of gray, like, like Andy said. Because, again, you want cheap heat. It's so easy to go out there and be like, I love Trump. And you're going to get booed. Mm-hmm. So this day and age, yeah. But it's just like don't like cheap heat is just, ugh, I just it just it just irritates the hell out of me when there's so many different ways and and ways to process things and say things to get people mm-hmm. to really hate you, and and like I do on this show. Look, I got Andy to leave by talking. It's just one of those <laughs> things where the more I talk, the more people hate me, and that and that's what I gotta say, Tom. Well, you know what, Miguel is really told me this many times that the more you talk the more he hates you yeah because he's a jerk and cold and cold hands anyways uh, (laughs) (laughs) now going forward here uh first of all i would like to just clarify one thing that i think is important okay that needs to be kind of clarified and it's a a statement you brought up and and i know you don't watch a ton of it and because you don't watch a ton of it you may not understand it but japanese wrestling fans they are just as passionate as north american wrestling fans but they show it a very different way Uh, absolutely it's a very cultural thing like you can feel it from the crowd when you're there i mean you can't see show other people who would do go to the event the the way they carry banners sure they're not making outwardly a lot of noise but they're they're in there they're invested yeah you may think they're sitting on their hands it's because they're sitting there anticipation waiting for the next thing and they make they make their things but it's the thing too for them it's heat what builds it for them they want to cheer a good guy. They want to boo the bad guy. Now, uh, one question, I, you know, first of all, I want to address something Andy just said. This is slightly off topic, but it, it's very interesting what you said, because I was thinking about that today. And I was thinking about the fact that we had just finished watching uh, the New Japan uh, G1 tournament. And uh, one of the biggest revelations out of there is Will Ospreay is now going forward as a bad guy. He's a heel now. And in my head, when I started thinking about it, I realized how extremely hard that is for someone like him. Here's a man who's based his whole thing on these extravagant moves, these crazy athletic stuff where even if you didn't know him, you watched it and went, go, wow, that guy's cool, which means he can't do that now as a bad guy because that's the last thing he needs is to do all these things and everyone go, oh, that's cool. Because then you're taking away the fact that he's turned on Okada and his friends. So there you find an interesting thing where a good guy ha- who becomes the bad guy to generate the heat, you have to walk the fine line of how. Do, what's the difference between creating heat and overshining the heat with your abilities? Now, Andy, have, have, you, have you found that ever in, maybe in the beginning of your career to be like a struggle where you want to be the heat maker, but your skills run that risk of making people go, oh, he's cool. Because once they look at you and say he's cool, that's super hard to ever really generate heat once you're the cool guy. Then you might as well throw it in. You're going to make you a good guy pretty soon. Well, I mean, into that, I mean, I can definitely speak from my own personal experience. Well, okay, I'll go that way first. Um, My time in Port, well, my time in Puerto Rico. So with, uh, with IWA Puerto Rico, we started our stuff in 1999. And what we did there is we had done a whole set of, uh, you know, we, we did about several months of TV tapings where we had that uh, before we even started running shows. So from that point, from the start, 
uh, I was a heel. And over the next couple of years, for all the, the heels that the kind of the perennial heels that were there, eventually they would all turn. So I was, I want to say from the original crew, I was the last heel to turn babyface. And when I turned, it was more of at that point that the crowd was crowd bought into my town. I mean, I'm, I was a lot better then than I am now. That's definitely for sure. <laughs> but By better, you just mean skilled physically. Skilled physically. I Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some areas now, but overall, you know, for everything that I was doing and the, the style I was working and all that, um, it got to that point where it's like, even as a heel, I was that good that people would be cheering. And it's like, no matter what, it's like, it, it, the and, and, and the WWE is a perfect example. And by no means am I saying I'm comparing myself to these guys, but just that it's a similar thing. You look at, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you look at Shawn Michaels, uh, you look at The Rock, the guys that were heels and there were tremendous heels, even Kurt Angle, where, you know, they do so well that it's almost like we, the, the fan, whether you're a smart fan or not, the majority know it's like this guy is so good at what he does. It's almost like no matter what, I'm going to cheer for you. Look at Steve Austin when they had the whole invasion thing and they tried to turn him heel. Yep. <laughs> it, it didn't, it didn't work. No, nope. you, know, you know, DX and, and stuff like that. I mean, they, they start off their, their, their heels, but then they get to be cool heels and people are going to cheer for them. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that became, that became a thing. I think kind of spanning more out of the, the attitude era where it began, where people just, because the, because it was no longer black and white, and because it was more of the sports entertainment as opposed to just pro wrestling, good guy versus bad guy, people were buying into that entertainment value that you gave. It was all and, shock, right? The more yeah, shock, well, was what it, it was. It was shock, and because that that you know that's where we were blurring the lines of baby faces and and heels, and now it's like the heels are becoming the cool guys and being a milk and you know the quote unquote yeah. milk and cookies baby face. That milk was kind of like boring, and nobody liked it, but. Mm-hmm. That's where, you know, that's kind of the, the, the point you can put your finger on and say, well, this is really where a lot of the bad guys started becoming cool. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where, you know, it, 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 I think it became a challenge because people that kind of grew up that were watching that, you know, you kind of lost your tradi- the traditional sense of good guys, bad guys, babyface heels, uh, your job as a heel you're supposed to be booed. You're supposed to be vilified. You're not supposed, nobody's supposed to like you, you know, even t- to this day uh, as a heel, like I did it then. And, and even now, uh, if I had people coming to the matches, if they're coming for the first time or whatever, like, Oh man, we're going to come. And it's like, okay, but just so you know, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a bad guy. Oh no, we're going to cheer for you. Anyways. Like, no, no, like don't. Don't because do that. that. Yeah. yeah that true. makes my job. That makes everybody's job harder. I said, if you want to quote unquote cheer for me, boo me. Yeah. Heckle me. That's that is how you cheer, quote unquote, a heel, an Andy Anderson character or whoever. If, if you're going to go and support your friends and they're a heel, don't cheer. Don't cheer. Yay. Go, you know, bad guy. Yeah. Boo this man. Go yeah. evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had, yeah. I, I've had my, sorry. Well, let's, I've had, I've had my mom and dad come to a couple of matches. I had my, um, probably about 12 years ago, we were doing a show. And uh, my mom and dad came to the show. They were sitting in the front row. And 
I was I was outside the ring and I was doing something with the baby face, and my dad actually got up and like he was starting to like sneak up like behind me, and this wasn't like planned. And it's like I could I could sense somebody was coming up behind me, and I turned around, and so fortunately like like he kind of like backed off, but I, I reared back the hand, and you know, I basically like chewed him out, like told him off, you know, let's sit down, old man, before I hit you, you turn to dust, kind of thing. <laughs> and I told him, I said, like, look, like, don't ever do that again. I said because if you touch me, mm-hmm. I will have to touch you back. You won't touch as nice. No, and I, and I won't because because in that atmosphere and you know, we, we know like you, you don't know who's coming into the, you don't know who's coming into the ring. You don't know somebody can come in. They could, they, you know, look at when Bret Hart got attacked at the, the hall of fame. Yeah. yeah. Somebody could have a knife. Somebody, could, you know, they could do anything. So if somebody, just... Oh dude, I, that's, no, I, that's, that's me old school protecting the business. No, no I know. And I appreciate that, but I just imagine Andy's dad when they got home. Yeah. <laughs> now I'll show you some touching you later. <laughs> but that's you, you know, but, that, but like, like, I, I gotta protect my business. Yeah, but but I said like that's set that, that's setting a horrible example. I mean, you yeah, know, it, it's, it's 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 one thing where people come from the crowd and it, you know it's part of the show. But I said like overall, if you're coming just to mess around. That's not cool. That's not funny because somebody yeah. else will try it and they might try and do a little more or they might, you know, like, like, yeah, you're my dad. I know you, but the next guy does it. I don't know who that is. And he's, he's doing it because you're doing it. What was that conversation like when you got home? Well, it wasn't even when we got home. Cause I, cause it was, it was an out of town show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I think a bunch of us went to eat or what after yeah. eat or something afterwards. And, and that's, it's kind of just like I was telling him, I'm like, yeah. you know, like, I said, like the, don't like don't like because we're kind of you know kind of chocolate kind of haha after the fact yeah. but like my serious moment was like like yeah. don't ever do that again like they don't come to a lot of shows but i'm like yeah don't ever do that again i said because if you do and especially if i don't see it coming yeah you get caught yeah. up and- yeah it's almost like you're gonna swing first ask questions later yeah yeah and, wow. and it's funny you mentioned that because my father also came to one of a couple of my events and i'm this i'm supposed to be the agent supposed to be the rich dude whatever and my father does not want to listen. He got his digital camera out and everything. And he got his lens and all that stuff. And he's coming out into where I am. And he's, like, taking pictures of me. And I'm just, like, I told him to stay in the seat. But then I'm, like, looking around. And I'm, like, see what I did here? I got I got my own photographer coming nice. around taking pictures of me. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I had yeah. to let the fans know that this, is, this isn't a fan of mine. I'm paying him. To be, yeah. to yes. to follow me and stuff like that, but it was just like like with, like you said, Andy, you, you got to protect the business. We got to protect the our heat. We got to protect what's protect going ourselves, on. You, know? you never yeah. know. Yeah, it's true. And, and actually, just just to that, it, the um, in Puerto Rico, years and years and years ago, I'm, I'm sure he's long since passed. But uh, there was a gentleman uh, who had come to a lot of the shows. I think both like capital shows, and I mean, I knew him uh, from like the IWA days, his name was Eddie Grice. And the great thing about Eddie, besides the fact he took a lot of pictures is that as a photographer at ringside, he knew how to sell. And when I say he knew how to sell, that was in the sense that if, and I won't even, you know what, if, if he's taking pictures of a match between Carlos Colon and Abdullah, the butcher, and it's like a, bloody knockdown drag out you know everything's going to hell kind of thing and abdullah the butcher starts like walking towards you like 
<laughs> coming towards you, he would run. Because really, he's putting over Abdullah's character. Yeah. Because if he just sits there and he's like, doesn't sell, doesn't put it over. Yep. Meh. Yeah. But and, and you know, especially using Abdullah as an example, that if so, if, especially at that time, if Abdullah is walking towards a guy, a photographer, anybody, kind of like in that ring area, and if you're not gonna run or you know sell, he would probably grab you and beat the crap out of you. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that that not only helps protect the business, helps the character, that that can help a character get heat in itself. Mm-hmm. So to anybody that's sorry, just I'm just saying to anybody that's watching or, or listening and you are a ringside photographer, you're somebody at ringside, you're an attendant or whatever. If there's stuff going on around ringside and there's stuff going on close to you, I'm not saying, you know, sell it and sell to the, to the fact that you're taking over, you're taking away from what's mm-hmm. going on. But damn, like, you know act like your life's in danger at least or like get out of the way or whoa like show some fear because if you know if you're it's kind of that thing you're like if you're not worried why should i be worried yeah Yeah. well here's a great example this weekend um i saw a show in my hometown here and (laughs) five minutes before the show they come to me and say hey we don't have a ring announcer could you ring announce for us so i'm like okay so i've had a lot of experience ring announcing for other companies so even though this fact all i'm wearing is a t-shirt and jeans I go up and I'm the ring announcer for this show. And during the thing, and I won't even get back to some of the weird things story-wise, but one of the weird storyline things happened where um, the main one of the main guys lost his match, argued with the ref, and then kicked the ref between the balls. Just and then hops, face? yep. And then hops out of the ring, walks away. Now, as he's walking by me, I act like I'm terrified that he's going to hit me too. Because it's got to be part of the thing. I just can't stand yes. there. You know, I have to act like this is not part of, like this wasn't meant to happen. To, to make it more effective, to help him along, yes. I have to act like this was a real thing. That I'm concerned about the guy, even though I don't know what to do about the ref that's laying there. The other ref comes out. I go over. He does his blah, 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 pretend to talk. I stand there and go, oh, what's going on, Mike? You know, and then I get out of the ring and, and then, you know, say, wow, that was kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've seen places where stuff happens and people around the ringside are just like, mm-hmm. you know, somebody could kill someone in the ring and the guy who's doing the renounce is like, okay, now for our next match, you know, they haven't even dragged the yeah. guy out yet. Watch WWE. I mean, when, when they go around ringside, when they go around the commentators, when they go around like the, the time keep with the bell, like any of that stuff, those guys sell it. Sometimes they oversell it, though. Yeah, he's going to say that. I heard your thing this week. <laughs> and that's fair, you know, and that's and that's where I say, you know, there's the fine line, and, and you know, but but you know what I mean, though. At least, uh, at least you're doing I'd almost, something. I'd yeah. rather almost have the oversell than the no sell. Of course, yeah. No, definitely no, not. Yeah, no selling is always the worst option of them all. The yeah. best sellers, the best sellers ever, are the Spanish announced team. <laughs> oh my god! But that, but, but that comes from that comes from years of being traumatized with their table breaking. You know, yeah. when I was younger, all we used to see was the Spanish announce table getting broken, and that's why we added it to our pay per view points game. Uh, at, when yeah. we started doing the podcast, where it's like, is the Spanish announce table going to break? And until recently. Now they added the German table, and the German table is getting broken more than the Spanish yeah, But everyone's table. scared to break the German table because they're afraid they'll take over the other tables. So anyway. Wow. 
Yeah, we all sold that. Yeah. History. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And I'll just as a quick side too is do you guys remember there used to be a tag team called the Spanish Announce Team? Yep. They, yes. they were oh. with uh, uh what's his name? The red guy. Uh, Amazing Red. Amazing Red. And his two cousins were a, t- a tag team called the Spanish yep. Announce Team. Yep. Out of New York City. So how did Rick Serrano the third? I I know. Okay. I actually uh I'll throw this out there. I actually trained in hog where where amazing red was i was actually in the same ring with amazing red train with him i doesn't yeah. mean i need to know that he was the spanish announced team oh i didn't I say know. he was i said he was their cousin they oh, came down they came down to puerto rico in uh, some of the early times too because I, I was around them with some uh, some matches and stuff and they were yeah. a big fixture in the new york wrestling scene for at least 10 years so Huh. Listen, I just got into <laughs> indie wrestling like five years ago. All right. Okay, and so I'm you might have WWE missed them. Then. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> but I, I will say this mm-hmm. um, about heat. Like, like we said about the Attitude Era, they they cheapened the heat, they took it away, and the good guy, bad guy line. But if we talk about eighties, nineties wrestling, I think that's where that's where it was at its best. And when I say best, I mean ravishing Rick Rude. Not having to say anything, not having to do anything dirty, but to show up with a woman on his crotch. Jake the Spritz's wife is dirty, but it is so crossing the line, right? But it was perfect because it was just like that was something you don't do. Nowadays, people just say, your wife's a bitch. Oh, and now we're supposed to all go crazy. But it's just yeah. like, dude, you're just saying that to get a rise out of me. But when Rick Rude did that, that evolutionized the game of heat. And and he was just amazing at it. Roddy Piper there was one of the masters saying. at it. Yes. You know, with the coconut. And he, he didn't have to say anything with that either. He just took a coconut and bashed in the head. And then when he did talk, he was just so great at it. Like Roddy yeah. Piper is right up there. I, I put and this may be blasphemous. I put Roddy Piper above Ric Flair when it came to char- getting the most heat. I'm sorry. I just for me, it was Roddy Piper is the greatest of all time when it comes to getting that heat, man. And and let me and let me say this real quick about Roddy Piper. This is one of the things too. He's you know, and I think he even said it. There was at uh, one point uh, when the whole thing kind of early on with the Rock and Wrestling and and Hogan and Piper. And I think you said, like, part of the reason Hogan was so over was because Piper was so hated and everybody wanted to see him get his ass kicked. Yes, Very absolutely. And, There's your dragon and, and your dragon slayer. Yep. And no, I, and and Hogan was a big dragon. You know, he, he's a big dragon slayer, like a, slayer yeah. a, a little lizard. But But Piper made it seem like he was a lot bigger than what he actually was. Yeah, because of the way he spoke and the way he was able to get heat behind him, and that's just that's part of the game that we're missing now in wrestling these days. Now, I got to agree. I really do think that uh, Roddy Piper was definitely a heat maker. Yeah, in my mind, when I try and think of who did I think in wrestling was like the greatest guy to to hate, I have to say Bobby Heenan. He had just yeah. this way Master. of making people hate his freaking guts. Yep. Uh, people wanted to see him in a weasel costume for Pete's yeah. sakes and take a beating. Um, but in th- there's a weird sense too. Like as we're trying to figure out how how you generate heat, how you make the things. In some ways, uh, Roddy Piper and um, Bobby Heenan had very very different techniques. You know, they had the same amount of hatred. But they went about it certain ways. Um, Heenan 
was interesting in the fact that I, I would almost say in the hands of a lesser person, the stuff he did might not have worked. Mm -hmm. he, had, he had a way of taking things that were slightly mundane or slightly even overly ridiculous and turning them into something hated. Why do you guys suppose he was so great at that? What made Roddy, or sorry, Bobby Heenan such a, a person to take the, the everyday to make you hate him? Now, when it comes to Bobby Heenan on commentary, the heat he would draw, I don't want to take it away from him, but Gorilla Monsoon had a lot to do with that. Yes. You know, and, and that was the genius of those two. Um, but but, but what about team. him as a non-commentator? As, 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 as a manager, the, the genius of him was that he said what he meant and he meant what he said and he stood behind it. And what he did was he made you hate his guy even more yeah. because he wanted you to beat the, they wanted you to beat the shit out of his guy because it was just like, Oh, we can't get to Bobby the brain. So we're going to beat the shit out of the Hercules or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that was just how good he was, was that he made you hate him so much. And we know we can't touch him because that's not what a good guy does. So I, I have to beat the hell out of your guy because you're talking too much. So for me, that's what I really thought of, of his genius when it came to drawing that heat. Yeah. Andy. I I will I will I agree with you for the most part. The one one of the things that you just said towards the end that I'm going to disagree with is that when you talk about that we can't as a, as a babyface that you can't put your hands on him, and I'm going to disagree with that. But that was part of the thing with him was even when you were getting whether he was getting heat on his guys or whoever, if you wanted to get to Bobby Heenan. You had to go through his guys. Oh, uh, okay. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? So yeah. he, it, it's like and he would you know, take it. He would take oh, it. And he, and he was awesome when he did. And that, and then again, that was part of the awesomeness that was Bobby Heenan. Except for Warrior. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but but I, but I mean, like you know, as far as you know, like says what he means, means what he says, totally. Because everything that he's saying, the the, the boasting, the brashness, uh, the cockiness, whether it was true, whether it was lying, he believed it to the to the nth degree, mm -hmm. and you know he was going to also do whatever it took, you know, to make sure that if it, if he was backing somebody up, that they were going to be the best, that they were going to be the champ, and so when those little things were there, when those little digs were there, that's where, you know, as much as you wanted to see Nick Bockwinkle or or. Andre the Giant or whoever that Heenan was managing, you know, you want to see the guys get it, but it's like, because part of it's like you want them to get down, but then you want them to get down because then, you know, that's kind of like, you know, spitting in the face of Heenan. And then that's when you go one step further. That's when you get into those. Okay. Well, if uh, you can beat so-and-so from Bobby Heenan's family, uh, you get five minutes in the ring with uh, yeah. Bobby Heenan, you know, and then especially if, if they do those type of things where that payoff doesn't happen at first, that that builds even more heat because you want to get to him. You want to see him get, you want to see him get his comeuppance mm -hmm. in the end. That's what you want. That's the ultimate thing is you want him to see, you want him to see him get what he deserves. And you know, that's funny that you mentioned that because that exact scenario happened to me with uh, Vince Steele. Like I was fucking around with Vince Steele and if you got, you guys know Vince Steele, six foot yeah. five near four, 400 plus pounds. Everybody yeah. wanted him to come at me because I was just talking all this garbage to him and he couldn't get to me because I had two other guys that was always with me and my guy lost the match and I had to do five minutes with him. And boy, oh boy, did I get my ass hooked. 
<laughs> to this day, I some would say not enough. But, on my chest. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> I ripped, Go ahead, ripped my pants and everything. <laughs> but but you yeah. even look at the way like for for Heenan because like, we know like and you and you can watch interviews with other guys that say like look like Heenan was actually a really good wrestler like even yeah. before he was a manager and you can tell by the way that he bumped and everything else he did yeah. but a lot of times when you know when he was being chased when he was being chicken and, and running away like weasel. some of the yeah the weasel like but i mean like you know like for him to go through the second row street to see him fly yeah. over the top ropes the way he would do it himself like to throw yeah. himself over there like like that's where you're like like oh like look at that chicken like and the only difference is is you wish that you know hogan or whoever had their hand on heenan throwing him over versus yeah. him just going no. over yeah <laughs> and, and one of the most effective things i loved about heenan okay uh and we can we, we can attest this even right now if we had some kind of like friendly bet going about something where each of us were picking a side about something and as a guy started losing if me or rick or andy went oh no no i, I changed my mind we would both be like oh quit being a you know but yeah. he had this thing where he conveyed the fact that he would be behind somebody 100%. And then when the other guy would be winning, no, I meant that guy. And the way yeah. he did it, it made it seem like not that he really believed it, but he thought he believed it. And that sold more and so than that. You believed he believed in his mind. That's who he always picked. Exactly. And you know what? I get a lot of heat on my show, Recipe of You Podcast, because I be flipping all the time. But I'm so confident in what I'm saying that you're just like, this guy's full of shit. I hate him. I hate him so much. I mean, Andy was saying it to me after the show. He's just like, I hate you, Rick. Cause no. Um, but yeah, it's just like you <laughs> No, really, but yeah. He's becoming Canadian. You, no, but yeah. yeah, no, but yeah. <laughs> you really have to, it's such a psychological advantage when you just believe the shit you're saying. Absolutely. And it just yeah. it just messes people up. They're just like, but you just said this. And I'm like, no, no I didn't. I absolutely <laughs> hate tj logan like i really easy do. there trump and, easy there and trump. because i'm saying that <laughs> and because i'm saying that i really hate elio i never said that i hate tj i i hate yeah. elio but, but i've got TJ. the video i've got the video that shows it no you but don't. there Fake is news. no video <laughs> but that's just how it is man and it's just like that's why oh psychology and wrestling man one day we have to do a psychological episode man because we can go on for days just talking about how important Oh, oh my God, how important psychology is. Not even just in wrestling in the world today. Psychology is just so important. Yeah. But when it comes to wrestling, man, it, you you guys can see it. How excited yeah. I am right now. It's just like, it's so important. Like, it doesn't matter how big you are, how strong you are, how badass you are. If you can mess with your opponent's mind, oh my God, you yeah. win. You win every single time. So. Now, all, all you uh, non-Canadians that are listening to this today, uh, <laughs> you can see the influence we're starting to have on Rick Serrano. As Canadians, Rick Serrano is a wannabe Canadian. Yeah. I, what I, are you I talking about? From day one, from the first day that I met him, yeah. I'm like, man, this guy wants to be Canadian. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, this is how you can tell. We have two sayings that are interchangeable, and they are, yeah, but no. And no, but yeah, because we don't want we're, we want to make our point, but we don't want to seem like we're picking fights. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, but no, yeah, uh, no, no, but but yeah. <laughs> what's the what's the um what's the donut shop? Uh, Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons. I knew it was a th. Tim Hortons, yeah. man. Tim Hortons is good, man. Uh, Not really. <laughs> that's all right. Listen, yeah. it's our Dunkin' Donuts, all right. It's... Oh, Dunkin' Donuts. I'm a Krispy Kreme guy myself. <laughs> Uh, I don't they, even they, know where to go they, with that. They're starting <laughs> to open up. They're starting to open up again around here. 
Krispy Kremes, nice. yeah. All right, nice. digress. Let's okay, get back, let's get back, back into some the show. Other, uh... Okay, so here's the next question I have then, okay? Let's find some great examples. What, uh, in your guys' opinion, we'll start with Andy in the first part. Andy, what's a good way to generate heat? What are some good things? What are some good examples of generating good, strong heat that works? Uh, are we talking like today or just in general? Uh, let's talk about wrestling in general. Wrestling in general. Uh, the sneaky underhanded cheating that, mm-hmm. that could be, you know, should, should and could be. Uh, the, of course, it all has to be caught by the fans to share it. Yeah, and, and not by the referee. Um, you know, if, if you're doing the promos, it's, it's it, it, you know, Rick, Rick said it earlier too. I, I like about, it's funny when you kind of say it, but it's about being classy about it. Like, and that goes back to, you know, if we're going to talk about like cheap heat or the, I don't know if we're going to touch on the quote unquote X-Pac heat. Yeah, I'm getting to that. Okay. Um, but you know, like, like the, the, the cheap stuff, like it, it's like, there was probably a time way back when where you could just tell somebody to shut up and, and even like that would be like good because they'd be like, Hey, like go, you know, go Rick Serrano. And then there's a bit, is a heel. You go, Hey, shut up. But now it's like, that's, it, it's, it's common as a clothesline for people to be, they just shut up. Hey, shut up. And it's just like, that, that's wasted. Um, if you're going to interact, if you're going to interact with the crowd, it, it's the idea that you're better than they are. Uh, you know, they're better, you know, you're better than they are. If you're, you know, if people catch you in something kind of just like we were kind of joking with Rick, it's, you know, you, you can, you switch it up or you like, no, no, you didn't. Well, yeah, no, that just happened. No, it didn't. And people, you, usually people get frustrated first to me. It, it, it's that kind of thing where, you know, and, and, and nowadays, I think it kind of depends on, on the rest of it. It depends more so on the crowd. It's almost something that you might not be able to get right off the bat or as easy as you once could. It's something that develops over time. Okay. As, and, that, and that's just kind of going along with the character. Um, you know, again, like TJ, because you've been around me long enough, like over the years, like the Andy Anderson characters, you know, there's been some changes, there's been some evolution, but, mm-hmm. but at the heart of it all, um, it, it's Andy Anderson's an ass. He's a dick. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I don't think there's ever been a time that uh, I've gotten too crass or mm-hmm. too, you know, when you talk about like getting like racist or, or anything that's you think might be more taboo and you think, oh, just because I'm going to talk about this, mm-hmm. that that's going to make me a heel. Well, no, it just really kind of makes you a jerk and it shows you're just looking for a cheap way to get to the crowd to, to hate you. Okay. Now, Rick, you seem very passionate about bringing up uh, this topic, so I want you to break down some of the real things and why it's cheap. But what what is cheap, Pete? And really, what are some good examples and why? Why okay. is that cheap? Uh, cheap heat, uh, cursing. I'm really against it. I hate it so much because it's just like and, and like Andy said, you can tell anybody to shut up, and it's just like, oh, okay, you told me to shut up. Nowadays, you're just like, oh, okay, you told me to shut up, oh, big, big wolf. But if you're just calling somebody a bitch, I mean, every female segment, and when they really want to get something going, like Sasha Banks or whatever, at the end of her promo, she'll be like, I'm going to beat you for the championship, bitch. And it's just like, you see the emphasis on it, and it's just like, oh, you had me going. You had such a great promo, and you just took it all away because you had a curse. Like, if you don't curse, and you you can generate so much more heat. 
That's the kind of cheap heat. Or if you come after somebody like Excalibur when he dropped the N bomb, like mm-hmm. that's the cheapest of heats. And it's just like, oh, okay, so you're dropping racist terminology so you can get people to hate you. Bro, you can get people to hate you by saying you hate their town. You know, like yeah. that's how that's how, that's the old school way. Um, I think modern day heat for me, SmackDown Live, the Miz talking about Daniel Bryan, the realism. I think that's the modern day way to get heat is use realistic things like real life storylines, real life, yeah. like put some of that into our wrestling mm-hmm. world. Um, okay. Well, so then can I ask this? Yeah, go ahead. So this is what part, what I, I'm just kind of trying to understand. I'm not arguing here about any of this. But so in the olden days, as we've evolved, in the old days, you could say stuff to generate heat. I don't like this. I don't like that, blah, blah, blah. And it enraged people for real. Okay. Yeah. But now as we've grown and we know about kayfabe, we know that uh, things are entertainment, right? So has it changed uh, the line of the fact that you generate heat to make people mad at you, but you have to stop at a point where it becomes too ultra realistic, where you bring in racism and hatred, because then it takes away from the character and makes it's not uh, Bob so-and-so that I'm mad at. I'm mad at the person who actually is playing him. Yeah. And is that yeah. how the definition of maybe where cheap he comes from is passing that line of, of suspending disbelief, but going into a dangerously too real yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's just like, like I said, with the whole shut up thing, when mm-hmm. you tell somebody to shut up nowadays, they're like, oh my God, Andy Anderson just told me to shut up. That's like so cool. Yeah. Or like in the Attitude Era, DX told me to suck it. Oh, sucking it, it was not supposed to be a good thing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Look at Kurt Angle and you suck. That went from yeah. being you know, like a yeah. heat thing to that's our way of showing our respect and our stuff. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I mean about, you know, sometimes with, with heels or characters, that it, it gets it's so so good so done so well that eventually that that love and respect it just transcends the i'm supposed to boo you i'm supposed to say you suck but really i'm saying you suck because i love you because you're so awesome at what you do and yeah. you make me hate you i love hating you you know it, what rick is saying there uh you know you go back 30 40 years ago where you know kayfabe was still kind of alive and well if, if i'm gonna come if i'm Bandy Anderson's coming to, to wrestle around Rick Serrano, New York, and I start talking trash about New Yorkers. People don't know anything other than anything else but Andy Anderson. All they're going to know is like Andy, Andy Anderson hates New Yorkers, is going to talk trash about New York, you know, what a cesspool it is. And, but and you're not exactly lying. Well, I'm not exactly. Oh, like, but, just kidding. I'm just but, kidding. But, I love New York. And, and I'm going to get hated for it. But right. nowadays, because it's like you said, it's, it's okay. Well, so-and-so is playing a character. So, you know, he's saying that, but I, you know, I'm not buying that he's actually saying it. He's just saying it to make us boo him. Okay. Okay. I see that. So, so it, yeah. But it, and, it, and it's, it's kind of just, you know, to like, to what you were, what you guys were both saying, even we talk about this on a regular basis on, on all our shows, that, that fine line with the suspension of disbelief. You know, where you can go with that, you know, talking about like heels and characters and the foreign menace. And right. that's kind of like why it's like, okay, well, you know, we talk, you talk about the, the Germans or something. That's why we don't have Nazi characters. 
Yeah. yeah. Because that, you know, kind of crossing the line there for, for the past of that, that's just like, yeah, no, if you're going to start talking that kind of stuff, like, dude, like, that's just, that's just not cool. Like, like, no, it's just, yeah. it's like an honor amongst thieves almost. It's like, yeah. You know. And you, then you, to, oh, I was going to just say just in today's era of wrestling, we're drawing that fine line where we're bringing realistic stories into our heat. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's so much more difficult to generate heat nowadays than it was in the past because now we got this fine line where we only can cross it so much before mm-hmm. we get dragged, you know? So it's just, it's definitely one of those fine line things where you have to really play. I mean, if we were using the Canadian metric system, it would be centimeters uh, of much space that we can go by, you know? Yes, maybe even millimeters. Um, oh. You know what? You you actually, Andy, uh, you just uh, brought up to me a very a very uh, very good point. Uh, I can think back to the first time that somebody, for me, became cheapied for the moment when I was younger watching wrestling, where I thought it was so far at that moment that it took me out of it. Like yeah. I didn't believe I hated the dude or the wrestler character. I believe I hated that a dude would portray that. Yes. And that was for me uh, near the end of the AWA when they brought in Colonel De Beers. During right. that time and the whole political situation of that, yeah. it made me, it took me out of the character. It made me think, this is freaking gross. Why is this guy playing that kind of character? We don't need that crap. It didn't have anything. I never thought of Colonel De Beers as the, the hated guy he was. I thought of what kind of jerk plays that character. Yeah. And it took me out of the thing. And I guess well, that was, that would be my first exposure, I guess, to me, what I would term as cheap heat. Look at Muhammad Hassan. Muhammad yeah. Hassan was riding such a high. He was one of the biggest heels in WWE. He was fighting mm-hmm. The Undertaker. And then 9-11 happened, and they were just like, no, we can't do this no more. Yeah. And it, it was just so detrimental to his career. And it was just like, what? but it wasn't his fault. It wasn't him. No. It was, that, was, that was the character. But is, isn't that the danger you play when you try to skirt uh, exactly. The edges of people's yep. fears, you yep. can easily no, fall it, to the other side. Yeah, absolutely. And now he's a, a school principal, and uh, he's the biggest heel <laughs> in yeah. a school. And if you're bad, he has a bunch of gangs that'll come in and drag you off <laughs> into detention. <laughs> now, uh, okay, sorry. sorry. I was going to say, uh, I always forget, folks. I know before I started today's episode, I said in my mind I would write down bullet points that I would hand to Andy Anderson to let him know where I was progressing along the show so we didn't always jump on. Because the thing is, me and Andy think a lot alike in a lot of this stuff when we talk, so we eventually sometimes uh, step on each other's... I mean, you guys got the same haircut and everything. Hey, this Uh, is the best damn haircut ever. You know how much I've saved on shampoo? Anyhow. (laughs) Razor blades aren't cheap, though. No, i got to say, I've actually shaved a lot of money shaving this damn thing. Um, But uh, let's talk about a curious phenomenon that... You shouldn't think be a thing, but unfortunately it has, is the fart part. The fart. The part. The, <laughs> the part where that's you. That's cheap heat. That, that's very cheap. The part where you make a character a bad guy, but guess what? No one gives a shit. It's called X-Pac heat. And it's that curious phenomenon where you're the bad guy. The people aren't turning the show off because they hate you. They're turning the show off because they're bored and don't want anything to do with you which somebody will tell you is probably the worst kind of wrestling death. Let's talk about X-Pac heat. And why does it happen? How does it happen? And is it still prevalent today? Anyone want to jump in? I I think, um, so if we go back, I mean, maybe we just to to kind of go a little bit more on the 
the X-Pac key yes, itself kind of where, where it kind of originated from. Uh, with, with, with the X-Pac character, I don't remember exactly whereabouts, if it was like NWO or if it was still WWF. Like where it was exactly WWF. And okay. it was when he was part of the... Uh, what was their group? Was it DX? Was he DX, DX, when, DX first started? Yeah. when he when yeah. first started though? Okay. And, and it's just the, the people like for, for, you know, the stupid stuff that he said and what he did, it just, it, it, you know, for the mo- for the majority, it wasn't entertaining. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it didn't make you want to, it wasn't like, you know, that you watch it. He did something, said something that you wanted to hate him. You're just like, it's like, ugh, like, it's like almost like he's trying too hard or it's this what this material that he's using it, it's just dumb it sucks i you know I, I don't even want to give him my time i like you know like if i'm gonna boo him it's like dude like get off the stage and i don't and i'm not saying that as a boo i don't like your character it's like mm-hmm. legit go away okay. and i think over the years uh i think that's kind of you know, with a lot of wrestling terminology and stuff, things can really kind of like loosen up over the years. And to me, uh, and, and I know I've used it, so maybe I use it incorrectly, but uh, sometimes when I'm watching shows over the past couple of years and I see characters that I don't like, I don't get into, that do nothing for me, I'll say, I said, like, to me, I said, you know, so-and-so has X-Pac heat with me because I really do not care one iota about them and I will turn the channel or whatever. I mean, and some of the ones that I would, that I, that I could give you examples of are like people that probably most people would be like, what, really? But that's my preference. You're right. Okay. And you know what? You just made me throw something out here. What I'm going to do right now, I'm going to ask each of you to pick somebody from WWF or WWE, sorry, one person from AEW. Who, and I want you to pick each person here and tell me what person from each company, if you were watching wrestling, you turned it on late at night, you were bored, you thought, oh, I'm going to watch wrestling, you turned it on, and they were the face that popped up that you would just turn it off and go, well, maybe I'll do something else. Okay? So who that means who for right now for you in the genesis of your mind could possibly start to generate a form of X-Pac heat, at least in your heart. And I'll start off with Elio because I know he's pretty, he's pretty uh, on the shows a lot. So... Elio, what WWE guy do you turn on? And you go, oh fuck, this guy. Is there the, one? Uh, the one that just came back, Lars Sullivan. I just don't ah. care. I don't care. He's, okay. And AEW, who'd it be? Uh, hard to pick up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Rick's favorite Taz. He's right. All right. He's right. All right, uh, Rick. WWE. Uh, WWE is the Street Profits. I can't stand them. I can't mm-hmm. stand them. Every time I see them on my TV, I want to just turn it off. So, yeah, I have to go with them. Okay. And AEW? AEW, Orange Cassidy, hands down. Ooh. Hands down. Got it, I am got not it. about Orange Punch for sh- – no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Andy. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple for WWE, including okay. one that's not currently around, but it's probably yeah. like – pretty high on my list uh i'll agree with the street with the street profits is one uh mm-hmm. with, it's funny lars sullivan would probably be another one mm-hmm. uh one of the biggest ones for me over the past couple of years and i can I'll kind of go into why but uh is actually becky lynch oh oh did you say you were or weren't going to i said i, I could go into it yes for let's me, hear so so for me the it's, it's one the of those man. sorry yeah no uh when but when, when WWE has those organic things kind of happen and then uh, mm-hmm. they decide to take over and 
and, and I guess people could say it about like John Cena or Roman Reigns or, you know, Seth Rollins or whoever, but, but uh, for me, I'm trying to remember the, the timeline of it, but you know, she was kind of when it's like when, when Charlotte was kind of getting like all that heat because it seemed like she was getting the opportunities and, and Becky was kind of coming up on her knees and it was like, you know, like people were really kind of rallying behind her. And then uh, what was it? So Becky won the title. I think like, was it like a WrestleMania or whatever? And mm-hmm. at that point, like to me, in, in my mind, it happened too soon. I thought there could have, I thought they could have stretched it out till SummerSlam. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so from that point, though, from Becky winning it, from it was was she the man know. during this whole time, or was this no? It was it wasn't. I don't think she became the man until after the the title because okay. it was kind of like after the title. It was almost kind of like there was like a, like a shift or a change in the character, and and you know it was like there was like the more of a cockiness to it the way she was talking about you know she was the man and and you know she take on anybody and she was going to do this and do that. And and I remember there being some of the comparisons to to Stone Cold, but yeah. to me with with Steve Austin, you know Austin would talk about like you know three sixteen I'm gonna kick your ass, da 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 da, cool. But with Becky Lynch, to me it, it came off, and I it, and I think what it was too was it wasn't just oh you know I'm you know I'm gonna kick your ass, but but she's like one of those things where she had to constantly like tell us like oh she's the man, she's the best, she's this. And, and just that really turned me off because, like I said, Austin never went about saying that he was the best, he was the greatest. He was just Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was going to whoop your ass. Yeah. And, and to me, I, I'm a believer in one of those things where, uh, you know, if you think you're great, you're going to tell everybody. Uh-huh. But if you are truly great, people will tell you. Nice. And so yeah. to me, that's what it was, was too much of Becky Lynch telling us how awesome she was, how nobody was yeah. competition. She's bragging too much. Yeah, it was just, it was just like, like, shut up already. And it okay. just it was a genuine turnoff for me, and mm-hmm. you know, like, good for her for for ha- you know getting pregnant and motherhood. I'm glad she's gone, and I don't. And to me, like the Damn. women's di- the women's division hasn't suffered, uh, you know, with her. Did you vote for that? Did you vote for that on the rest of POV when we asked? Is the w- women's division better without her? Uh, was I around at that point? Yes, you were. It was then two I, weeks ago. I, okay, then I would have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I, there's so much. WPOV has got so much stuff going on. I can't keep track of stuff. You gotta check so it all out, stuff. guys. We got so yeah. much stuff. There, there's so many content. different programs. So much, out. so much content. But yeah, I'm no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's not like I don't, I don't miss her. Okay. Well, I so. got to tell you, you're breaking Miguel's heart because Miguel loves Becky Lynch and actually has a picture with her. Like, yeah, well, I didn't even know. get a picture with her. He's got a wooden heart, so whatever. You crazy glue that thing back together. <laughs> um, as oh, as far tried. as AEW goes, mm-hmm. it's say it. Uh, no, Orange Orange Cassidy's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, He's not quite. Yeah, like there, there's there's a lot. It's, <laughs> the funniest thing is now for me is, is even in the most real sense where. You know, I think back to like like a month ago, like for stuff that I would like fast forward through. But now, mm-hmm. part of being like being part of the global crew, yeah. it's like I have to watch everything. So even if I don't want to watch <laughs> it, I still got to watch it. So it's like, right. oh. But you still know what you don't want to watch while you watch. Yeah, it. no, it's the uh, like this like the best friends to me don't really do anything. Um, I, I, you know, we, we talk about the street profits, WB. I, I like mm-hmm. private party. I buy into them more than I buy into the. Oh no, I buy into them more than the street profits. I think because oh, they, yeah, <laughs> because no, because because to me, there's just too much talk and too much gaga mm-hmm. with the street profits. So yeah. that's 
that that that's my thing there. Um, I have a hard time with AEW's women's division because I, it's I so don't... generic and bland with a lot of yeah, wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. So it is. It's I, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't really qualify as, as like X Pac heat. It's just there. There's not a lot going on there to like. They only got a Sheeta. <laughs> only yeah. got a Sheeta, and that's yeah. Yeah, you know, like like characterize that guy. Like you know, I said, like uh, I'm a big Britt Baker fan, mm-hmm. but like as far as like you know, like everything she did while she was injured, uh, I I love that. But uh, I don't know, maybe Darby Allen. Like I, you know, we talked about that on the last show. Like yeah, he doesn't make a lot of sense. No, like okay, I'm gonna put myself in a body bag and. <laughs> that was just dumb. You know what? Yeah. You just said something that makes me really sad. Do you realize that the AEW women's division is ten times weaker than the Impact women's division, which is chock full oh, of like, it, super it great women wrestlers? Yeah, Not great Impact's, men wrestlers, but good women wrestlers. Impact's women's division is competition to WWE's. Yeah, sure. they're they're pretty pretty smoking right now yeah. with the competition there. Um, is that? Is, do you have any more, Andy? Or is I I, I think I could go on, but I. You know, it's, it's now now it's trying to be like less of okay, like like pure. Now you're just getting picky on it, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> yeah. like okay, well, you know, Luchasaurus, da 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 da, Brian Cage, da 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 da, like so and so, da da da. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you for me who it is, and see if it surprises any of you guys. Okay, for me, and I'm not trying to, I'm not going to do the little nitty pick stuff. It's just the ones where I turn it on and see them. It's like out of there. Okay, I turn it on uh, on WWE. If I turn it on, if I see heavy machinery, I'm like, nope. They're gone. They just don't interest me. Okay. Um, Bianca Belair doesn't interest me. The EST? Yeah. The EST yeah. does not interest yeah. me. You know, what? I, you know what? I would agree with the that one. The fastest, the bestest, the smartest. Who knows? I turn off when she's on. <laughs> the, the, the yappiest. Yeah. The flyest. The braggiest. The... <laughs> that, can, that can become like a Becky Lynch thing pretty quick. Yeah, that's the problem I have is she straddles that line of just talking about herself so much. That oh, I don't like, think she straddles anything. <laughs> Except the solo cup. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I got to say, though, it is sort of funny to say that if I turn on AEW, I'm sorry, but if Brian Cage comes on, I'm just like. Listen, and Luchasaurus just makes Taz. me mad. All related to Taz, man. That's no, what it, is. it was even before Taz. He hooked up well, with Taz. You hate Taz, Tom. Just say it. <laughs> I hate Taz when he's not a commentator. Yeah, totally, hundred uh... percent. Trust me, dude. When you're, First of you're all, when the quality of your commentary is down in the sewer, I even get the term, it. I get like, it. Taz but will let me tell you this: you're wearing orange. Taz will fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's he can sue. He can sue DC Comics because this is but the orange. He will lantern. hate you. He will hate you. <laughs> it's Halloween week. I'm wearing it because it's my son's favorite color. It's, Orange it, is his favorite it, color. Well, you know what? Your son got heat with Taz. <laughs> Good. <laughs> He'd probably take Taz. He's about as tall as Taz. <laughs> he's five and he's about as wow. tall as Taz. But, but you saw how I did that full yeah. circle? Brought it back to heat? Huh? Yeah, you huh? did. Huh? Um, so, yeah. Good I mean, and, and I guess the other one would be... Uh, no, Luchasaurus makes me mad. It's just nitpicking them. But definitely... Brian Cage doesn't even make me mad. It's just like I turn it on or Bianca Belair or Heavy Machinery, and I'm just like, oh. yeah, nope. and, it, and it used to be the Dark Order before Brody Lee came along. When they were just these goofy dumbasses who didn't do Jack every week, it was just like. So the people are straddling the line. Darby Allen is straddling the line, making me, you know, just the retarded stuff of doing, and I'm sorry to use that word, but it is the dumb stuff. Well, if you're going to put yourself in a body bag and roll, what does that even accomplish? Does I mean, you could do that and it's not really going to hurt. 
no. to be honest. Uh, uh, I, you know what, Tom? Because you yeah. said that, now you have to roll in a body bag down a half pipe <laughs> and not be hurt. Yeah, but I'm not dumb us, enough us to Canadians, do it. <laughs> we go downhill on toboggans a yeah. lot faster, a lot worse than Darby Allen in a body bag going down a half pipe. Yeah. And now if he filled it full of tacks like in that one match, dumb, but at least it's tough, right? No, it's uh, not tough. It's just stupid. It's just uh, I gotta Wait, admit, what? like hold on. You, Okay. What, what is it? What is it, Miguel? Oh, <laughs> Miguel. Talk, talk about X Pac. You want to talk about X Pac Heat? Oh, with Mr. you. Rick, I love this guy. Mister Rick, it's time for my shower. Oh. <laughs> uh, you showered him? It's not like that. It, it's, Miguel, like I'll be there in a second. Mister Rick, I need my tent cleaned. <laughs> Your what? It's not. It's not. What, no, it's not. He didn't say taint. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. I, uh, I was, we're gonna yeah. let Rick Serrano the third go. I, I didn't. Yeah, he's drying next pocket with me right now. So okay, thank Peace you, Rick, out, for joining yeah, in, yeah. and we'll talk yeah. to you a little later. Yeah, have, have fun. So, <laughs> where do you go from there? Well, you know what? Uh, there's lots of cool stuff. Last thing to, I want to ask you about. You know, we've been talking about. Um, We've been talking about heat. We've been talking about what it means. Uh, there's one thing I want you to explain right now, because it's a term we keep dropping a lot on our shows. And I sometimes wonder if the casual wrestling fans knows what the hell we're talking about. Okay. And so Andy, as a wrestler and the ambassador to all of this, I want you to explain to people what they mean by telling a story in a match, because I know we've dropped this a lot and I've had right. some fans ask me what exactly we're talking about to clarify a little bit. And I know what it means, and you know what it means, and Elliot yeah. knows what it means, and we use it quite a bit. Let's explain if we just had to tell fans what they mean by they told the story in a match and why that's important. All right. I will give you the most, I would, what I believe to me, like the most simple kind of basic idea, kind of definition behind telling a story. You know, when people talk about pro wrestling, being a soap opera, something like you know, a soap opera, so, you know, there's a story, there's good, there's evil, uh, you know, there's a protagonist, an antagonist, and there's going to be the struggles for the protagonist, but in the end, you want to see him uh, win or overcome the struggles, you want to see him defeat the antagonist, the, the bad guy. So at its simplest level with pro wrestling, that's the story that we try to tell. I mean, you know, it can have several layers to it, it can, you know, there can be so much more to it. But that's kind of why, like, where you look, like, if you have a wrestling match, you have a good guy, you have a bad guy. They start off, they're wrestling, they're both trying to get, you know, the upper hand on each other. Uh, traditionally, the the good guy, the baby face, you know, he's going to kind of outshine the, the bad guy. The bad guy's going to try and, and, you know, do one better. But the baby face, the good guy's going to always kind of overcome it. So it's at that point where, or some point there, where the, the heel, the antagonist, has to decide okay well you know if i'm trying to do this man to man this isn't working out i need to do something kind of underhanded or i need to cheat to you know to to kind of get on top and to be able to stay on top and then at that point that's kind of like you know where you have your your heat where you want to uh the 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 the, the antagonist the bad guy the heel whatever you want to call him uh, you know, the idea is, is he's trying to thwart the good guy. He's trying to thwart the baby face, keep him down. He's trying to beat him by pretty much any means necessary. So that means if he's going to cheat, then it's, you know, he needs to be cheating uh, to a point where he's not exceeding the five count or he's cheating when the referee's distracted or not looking. 
So then at that point, you know, you get to a certain point where the baby face, either he's had enough or the, the bad guy has made some sort of mistake. He's, you know, overcalculated, just like in the movies. Sometimes maybe he's talking too long, explaining how he's going to end the world. And the baby face starts to make the comeback. And, you know, if it's just one simple, you know, we're telling one simple story here in the end, the, the baby face, the good guy will, uh, you know, make that comeback, get his comeuppance and overcome the adversity and beat the bad guy, beat the heel. Just like, you know, pretty much in every movie, every story where there's traditionally a happy ending, that's kind of what, what you're looking for with wrestling. So on a, on a very basic level, that's mm-hmm. the storytelling, the match, like how we do that is, is with the moves, we talk about the psychology behind it and, and, and the things like that. It's, it's, it's using, using all of that to kind of like physically and emotionally tell a story to you, the viewer. Yeah. And see fans, it'd be like the example of say me and Andy were doing a wrestling match and we were, and the entire match, uh, Andy was grabbing my arm and working on it and doing things to like target my arm. But then the last minute he rolls me over, grabs my leg and forces me to submit. It, that alone would probably make you go, how did that happen? <laughs> he, yeah. Why did that happen? Like he spent his entire arm thing, weakening my arm yeah. to, to take my leg out. That's all the part of the richness of storytelling and wrestling. It's where making the moves matter. Spectacular moves are great, but we've learned in this era, I mean, come on, the Canadian destroyer has now become a transition move. Uh, Okada will give you a tombstone pile driver before he clotheslines you. So in this day and age, the things have to have a logical sense to it for wrestling fans to enjoy on a more level. If we had that match and Andy did that and did the leg and took me out, no matter how the match was good working up until then or things were exciting, it's not going to make you, it's going to make you stop and go, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Now, if Andy spent the entire match working my arm and then put me in the money clip and took me out, it makes sense. Wow, he weakened and weakened, went after Tom's arm, went after Tom's arm. Boom, he took out Tom's arm. That's what we talk about in storytelling. That's why storytelling is a thing that's very important. Everything, not just the moves, but why he does the moves. What happens in the match to make him do those moves? The when, the how. I mean, do you remember in the old days when Ric Flair would be wrestling? You knew as soon as he lifted the guy up and dropped his knee across the guy's knee, and he would, you knew that right then he was setting up for the figure four, weakening the knee, getting the guy so that he could take him out with the devastating figure four. He didn't give the guy the claw. He didn't pile drive him or Canadian destroyer him and then put him in the figure four. It's because when you thought it and went back and thought about it, it made it that much more realistic that the things that happened made sense. Yes, occasionally a fluke knockout happens in this world. Boom, somebody takes a thing, gets knocked out. That does happen, right? But wrestling, the whole idea is we're people, athletes on a same level. And to be able to get the victory over each other, we have to work at something some way. Something's not going to give. I can't give Andy the finger poke of doom and he's going to fall over. It doesn't work like that. You know? So I know a lot of you fans have, have kind of, subtly asked what exactly we're always referring to as the story of a match but we could probably list a thousand matches that when we explain to you why there was good storytelling you'd realize why you like that match so much more 
than a lot of the sloppy matches that you see floating around out there Absolutely. that make no sense. So, you know what, this has been a really interesting topic. We did have, you know, we had uh, fans, we had four other guests uh, during the last 48 hours booked to come on here. Each of them had different reasons that they could not. Some of them are very sad and we're hoping and praying for the best of some of these people. And uh, this is a topic that we will revisit uh, down the road in a couple months. We'll do another heat episode and we'll bring on some other people and get their ideas. And me and Andy will play the inspector and we'll pick apart the questions and figure yeah. out what their views about it are. And, you know, maybe we'll get a, we'll get a veteran and then we'll get a young guy and we'll see the big difference in what the psychology is like between the ages because it's it's definitely a, a, a an industry that's changed very much even so little as 10 years ago yeah. so andy i want to thank you once again for joining me as always co-host always a pleasure. with, thank with you. the toast elio toast. elio my man you it's know what elio it's your turn to throw you know what you did you, you were so quiet here i'm gonna say um i want you to uh why don't you tell everybody where they can write into and where they can listen to to hear this show. Right, so you can uh, write to us uh, on Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast, Instagram at Wrestling POV One, and Twitter at Wrestling POV. And you can find all our shows: WPOV, WPOV Global, WPOV Quarantine, all on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and TuneIn Radio for free. Ex- excellent. And uh, you know what? We have a bunch of shows. We have a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, you know, you you hear us right now in quarantine. If you're watching in on the feed, you can see the see us live. There's also a bunch of audio shows we do. We do uh, we do uh, global. We do wrestling POV. But we've got some stuff on the back burner. We got some things churning in our minds. And in the next couple of months, we're not going to announce anything yet. I mean, we've started the aftermath show, which you guys listen to. Which thank you, by the way. It was nice to have a lot of viewers tune in to hear about our coverage of the G1, and all after every WWE and AEW major pay-per-view, we'll do an analysis and breakdown on Aftermath. But we've got some fun ideas coming. And uh, we're not going to announce anything today, but we've been mulling. We know we did a special way back edition a long time ago that you fans really dug. And we're thinking of maybe digging into the old vaults and pulling out some of See what me and uh, Elio's grandfather was up to back in 87, maybe in 83. Hear what they had to say on their show. So... Let's look for something like that. And uh, I know we'll be hearing a lot more from Andy Anderson and Elio and me and also the guys over at Wrestling POV. We want to bring a lot of fun to you guys. This COVID has been a tough thing. Lots of isolation, lots of a lot less wrestling. So we're going to make the most of it. and We're going to have a lot of fun with it. So uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, Do do I get to plug my social media? Yes. Do you want to plug your social media? I may as well, you know, because normally we would do that if we had other guests. Yep. So uh, on the Twitter machine at Andy Anderson, PWA, and uh, on the Instagram at I'm that guy, TCB247. That's the letters I am, T H A T G U Y, TCB247. Uh, it's a lot of stuff with uh, having to do with working out. Oh, you froze up. <laughs> Oh, me you froze my... up in the middle of it. You got to redo it because you froze Did you? Because you, you froze up. Yeah, we all. Oh. Yeah, do it one more time, the whole TCB one, because in the middle right. of it, you, I know they didn't hear it. That's heat. Uh, all right, so whatever. So we'll do the whole thing again. Uh, Twitter, at Andy Anderson, PWA. Uh, Instagram, I'm that guy, TCB247. That's the letters I M T H A T G U Y T C B 
247. There's a lot of good workout stuff on there, uh, as well as me reliving my glory years from wrestling way back when. All right. And the first fan, the first fan who writes into us and tells us if you can guess what TCB means, TCB means in the middle of Andy's thing, I will give you a shout out on the thing. Okay. It'd be much easier if you're Canadian. Super easy if you're from Winnipeg. Anyhow, (laughs) Uh, you know what? I'll throw out for once. I never throw out my own. media stuff so fans if uh you ever want to uh contact me get a hold of me on facebook at thomas james little also on facebook from the second row productions uh my old production house we still keep uh taking in things there i noticed a lot of you fans keep adding i know the page has seems like it's dead but all it does is a reround uh link back to uh to wrestling pov but you know what maybe i'll start writing if if enough of you keep adding and, and writing in there Maybe I'll start go back to writing some uh, hand articles I used to do talking about wrestling. That might be some fun things too. Um, other than that, uh, I think Instagram is like it, it's like uh, I think it's just uh, Thomas Little at our Thomas Little seven four eight one. Who knows how that came up? Uh, I think it randomly picked that for me. But uh, you know what, fans? We really uh, we want ideas right now because, like we said, we're mulling a lot of stuff. We want to give you guys the things you want. The things that you think might be cool you know you spent a little time you, you're getting to know andy anderson right now you've gotten to know me for the last uh the last two and a half years and same as elio you know uh some we have some same uh we have a lot of the same views but we also have a few views that are different and we're always willing to stop and talk about them and listen to each other and that's the cool part and Just that's like the way we, we should be in society today too yeah no kidding eh um it's okay to have different disagreements and have differences but uh, it sucks when you don't listen to the other person. And uh, these three guys are my friends. I like to listen to the things they bring up. I like to th- see things are different. I'll tell you, there have been times each of them has said something where I walked away later thinking, don't think I agree with that. But you know what? I'll respect that point of view. And uh, right now, as we're coming up to some elections and there's lots of, boy, lots of horrible things being said to people, about people, to people. This is the time where... You know what? As a wrestling fan, you have probably been mocked. You've been probably put down. You've probably been made fun of because of your love of professional wrestling. Some people don't get it. They say you're watching some cartoon fantasy with sweaty dudes and whatever. But you know what? The point of it is you're a wrestling fan and you're part of a community. We're part of that community. We all love this sport. We all love this entertainment. We love this stuff which means we got to learn to love each other. We should all be supporting each other. We should all be backing each other. Even if we don't have the same religions, colors, creeds, anything like that, the one thing that we have that does that changes us from everyone else is we're wrestling fans. And I like to think sometimes that should rise above all the little pettiness and we should just look at each other across the room and even have to give a nod, not a scowl. So think about that, folks. Anyways, we've had a friend time talking to you. Elio, Say goodnight to the good people. And friends, we'll talk to you all next week.